This morning, please, in your copy of God's Word, Luke chapter 2, according to a December 9th UPI story, a town in Washington is celebrating the holidays as well as a new world record because they lit 797 Christmas trees at the same time. 797. I don't know why it's not 800. Maybe three of them didn't work. I don't know. But the Mason County Chamber of Commerce eliminated the 797 Christmas trees in Shelton to celebrate the town's history as a timber hub as well as a Christmas destination. And the trees were enough to eclipse the previous or current record of 559 trees, which was set by the Hallmark Channel. So the Hallmark Channel lost uh, to this town in Washington. When I read that story, I couldn't help but think about that. That's how we often do Christmas. This year has to be better than last year. More lights, more gifts, more food, more fun, more, more, more. And in the midst of more, we can lose the meaning behind it all. You see, Christmas is not about me. And Christmas is not about us. It's about Jesus. Honestly, if we threw a birthday party for our friend 
and we treated our friend like we treat Jesus at Christmas time, that person wouldn't be our friend anymore. Think about it. I mean, it's our friend's party, but the cake's for us, the gifts are for us, all the time is spent making us happy and doing what we want to do, and our friend is there, and that would be strange, wouldn't it, for us to do that, to throw a party for our friend and make it all about us, and yet how often do we do that very same thing at Christmas time? We're celebrating his birthday, but we get all the presents. His birthday, we get all the attention. His birthday, but everything's about us. Now, listen. I'm not the Grinch. I'm not against fun. I'm not against presence. I'm not against all of that. In fact, I'm all for it. And I can be a fun fellow, believe it or not. And I'm all for Christmas and I enjoy all of that. But what I'm saying to you is we've got to be careful we don't miss the one that we're celebrating. The one that it's all about. The Lord Jesus. And help us not to do that. We've been spending some time visiting some of the homes Connected to that very first Christmas so long ago. And today we're going to visit one more home. And we're going to visit the innkeeper's home. And you should have by now found your spot there in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And we're going to read those verses that have become so familiar, so comforting, so special to so many of us. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7 as we visit the innkeeper's home today. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, read down through verse 7. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end, you'll notice as we arrive at the innkeeper's home that the place is really crowded. There are people all over the place because of uh, Caesar's census. And in all honesty, we don't know exactly what kind of inn that we're talking about here. But you can rest assured it was not the Holiday Inn. Um, the word inn in our Bible literally means a lodging place or a guest room or an inn or just a room. Uh, John MacArthur noted that it could have been anything from a full-fledged precursor of our modern-day bed and breakfast to uh, a lean-to on someone's property built to house people and animals. Uh, the sense of an inn here uh, locally uh, meant a place where you could go and you could stay overnight while you were on a journey. But of course, you know, Mary and Joseph did not stay in the inn because there was no room in the inn. So I was studying this. You know, you can read this over and over and over again and study it through the years and hear it every year, but you can never exhaust the Bible. You can never get everything there is to know out of it. It's always fresh if you spend time in it and meditate on it. And Christopher Ash brought up something I hadn't thought about before. You know, we spent time visiting Joseph's home. We spent time visiting Mary's home. And you remember that there may not have been room there because word may have spread that this particular woman... This pregnant young lady 
had become pregnant before they had come together in the marriage ceremony. And it could be, it's possible that their reputation could have been the reason they were turned away from the end. It may not have been a crowding issue. It may have. We just don't know. But it could have been the reputation itself that they had scandalous, as we talked about, because not everybody knew that the one she was carrying was the Messiah and that she was still a virgin. We don't know exactly why, but there was no room for them in the end. But obviously, if you have an inn, whatever type of inn it was, there was an innkeeper of that inn. And this innkeeper turned away Mary and Joseph and ultimately gave up the chance to help welcome the Messiah in their home. Now, the truth of the matter is we're quick to make a villain out of the innkeeper and to cast judgment on the innkeeper and say things like, well, I would never turn away Jesus and if it had been me there, I would have made room for them. But if we're honest about it, beloved... We'd have to admit that um, many times in our own life, we've had no room for Jesus. Not because we're out doing bad stuff, but because we are busy. We just don't have room for Jesus. And now as I was studying this, I was reminded of this lesson. Busyness can cost us blessings. Busyness can cost us blessings. You remember in the life of the Lord Jesus as He was ministering, He went to the home of Mary and Martha. Do you remember what went on at Mary and Martha's home? Martha was quite the hostess. She was the first Martha steward, I guess. And she was busy making the meal and making sure everything was just right for Jesus. Her sister Mary was busy sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to Him and spending time absorbing everything He had to say. And Martha became very frazzled and frantic and she comes out and she just lets Jesus know, why don't you tell her to get up and help me? You remember what Jesus said? He said, Martha, Martha, you're troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that. And so Martha had to learn that lesson that busyness can rob us of blessings and we need to learn that lesson as well. When you think about Christmas, a lot of things come to mind. You might think of the Christmas colors. I look out and see the red and green today. You might think of Christmas trees. You might think of home. You might think of the favorite songs and food. But when you think of Christmas, does the word busy ever surface? When you think about Christmas, does busy ever come to the surface? Yeah. I mean, that kind of describes a lot of our Christmas time. We're busy. We've got to get to the grocery store. We've got to get to the store. We've got to get things ordered and things come in time. We've got to get the tree decorated. We've got to get all this stuff done because we're busy. And we're not busy doing bad stuff. We're not knocking over a liquor store or robbing from the Salvation Army kettle. We're not, we're not doing that. I hope. In fact, you're doing good things. I mean, you're baking cookies and you're buying presents and you're enjoying family and you're decorating the tree and you're doing all these wonderful things. And, but then Jesus comes along and knocks and wants to spend some time with us. But we don't have room. Our calendar, it's booked, Jesus. Uh, our commitments are many. We're just a little bit too busy right now. We don't have room for you. We don't have room in our... Christmas celebration to spend time, maybe some special time reading the Bible or spend some special time praying 
or visiting someone in a nursing home or, or carrying something by a neighbor's home and, and, and blessing them or whatever. Our commitments are many. We're just too busy to spend time with Jesus. Yeah, we'll make it to church a couple times. And we came to the programs. We were, we were here for that. But other than that, we just have no room available right now at the moment. Maybe you're feeling convicted. And I know when I wrote this message, I had to stop because I felt convicted at that point. We can become busy even in all of the celebrations, even at church, where we miss the one that we're truly celebrating. We want to get everything just right and everything just so, and we miss out. Think of the blessings we miss out because of our busyness. And I don't know, what, what could be trimmed from your list? I mean, there's still time. I mean, we're, we're days away, but there's still time. What could be trimmed from your list this year? What could be let go? What, what is it that you could say, you know what, I don't have to do that. I want to spend some extra time, some extra space for Jesus. You know, it's no accident that those words are in the Scripture. He didn't waste time here when he added the words because there was no room for them in the end. We didn't have to know that, but God chose to tell us that because we needed to know that. And those words are significant. There was no room in the inn, but is there room for Jesus in your heart and my heart? Is there room for Jesus in this holiday that is set aside to celebrate his coming and robing himself in flesh? First lesson today, busyness can cost us blessings. Don't get so busy that you miss out on the blessing of celebrating the one that we are celebrating. Second lesson. So I read this passage as we spend time at the innkeeper's home. This lesson rose to the surface in my mind. And that's this. The hard times can be holy times. The hard times can be holy times. So you say, well, preacher, what do you mean by that? I mean, we read this. What are you talking about? Well, there was no room for them in the inn that night. But you know what? When a baby's going to be born... You can't just kind of put that on hold and say, we'll revisit this next week. When the baby's coming, the baby's coming. And there was no room in the end, but Jesus was going to be born no matter what. And we've read this passage so many times, it's easy to gloss over the details because it's so familiar. But just stop and consider exactly what's going on. Remember now, you have this story before us. Joseph and Mary are newly married. Teenagers, she's a virgin carrying the Messiah in her womb, gossip, whispering, all kinds of stuff going all over the place back home. And now they have to go on this long journey for this census to be completed. They tell me that somewhere around 90 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Have you ever traveled a long distance with a very pregnant woman, guys? Uh, even better question, ladies, have you ever had to travel a long distance while you were very pregnant? Discomfort would be the name of the game. Remember, they're not traveling along in a climate-controlled Chevy with navigation assist, XM radio, and food from Chick-fil-A in their lap while listening to We'll Have a Holly Jolly Christmas. That's not how they're traveling. They're not traveling. We travel. 
I, I still get in awe of my kids. I think about when we used to travel, you know, wear a bar, well, watch the television, listen to the radio, play games. What did we do? We looked out the window. <laughs> we put our arms out the window and made, you know. We were in the front, we'd take that wing thing and go back and forth, let the wind come in and out, you know. No phones, not that junk, nothing. But even worse than that, when we were, well, unless you're in the back of the pickup truck trying to fall out. But anyway, um, here they're traveling rustic hard. Maybe she's on a donkey. That's how we normally picture her. But imagine all those miles and she's great with child and there's people everywhere. And she's there and it's hard and they finally get to where they're going. And there's no room in the end. You ever made reservations and got there and they didn't have your reservation anymore? It's happened to us. I kind of lost my testimony, but anyway. <laughs> it was hard. Hard. But it was holy. It was holy. Consider these facts when it comes to this story. First of all, God was in charge of their story. God was in charge of their story. God was the one who selected this young man, this young lady for this holy assignment. They were absolutely in the center of God's will for their life. I mean, she was carrying God in her womb. But it was not easy. It was hard. And they get after this long journey, all they've gone through, and, and all that they have processed and are still processing. I mean, think about it. She is pregnant. She's never known a man. She's a virgin. They're newly married. They've dealt with all of that back home. They take this long journey and they get there and there's no room for them in the end. But God was in charge of their story. In fact, God was orchestrating every detail. Because you look at this story and maybe if you're honest, you think, well, did God forget to make reservations for them? For them to have a place to stay? I mean... This is the birth of his son. Think about it. He chose the town. He chose the couple. He chose the virgin. He chose the time. But what about a room? What about a properly appointed place? Beloved, he didn't overlook it. In fact, he chose it. And it's a reminder of the humility that the Lord Jesus showed in coming. As one noted, a homeless birth was part and partial of a homeless life. It was said of the Lord Jesus later, right? He had nowhere to lay his head. And so this was God's plan for them. He didn't overlook any detail at the perfect place, at the perfect time, to the perfect person, in the perfect area. The Messiah would be born. They were hard times, but they were holy times. There was no suitable place in our mind for this baby. And so he's, but it was God's place. And so he's born and he's placed in a manger. And that's an animal's food trough. Imagine that. Especially first time moms and dads. Your little newborn is born out in the barn and wrapped up in swaddling cloths and laid in an animal's food trough. But that's the Messiah. That's Jesus. And we look at this and we don't understand. And I imagine they didn't understand either. Do you think Mary and Joseph, now remember, they're real people. They're, they're not robots. They're not some kind of super saints. They're real people. You think they ever struggle with these things? I mean, they had angelic visitors come. 
She was a virgin who had a baby in her womb. This was the Messiah. And yet they get there and there's no room. And we've got to birth the baby out here. We've got to put this baby in a food trough. Do you think they ever, ever struggled with it? Well, I think if they were human, they had to wonder at times these circumstances. This was hard, but it was holy. Why? Because God was involved. Hard but holy. In fact, he was orchestrating every detail. God was carrying out his plan. You remember these events take place after the 400 silent years, the end of the Old Testament, and then no prophecy. It seems like, you know, is God still interested in us? And at the very right time, the angel comes and announces to Mary that you're going to bring forth a son. And in fact, God picked out the place some 700 years prior to what we read here in Luke 2, the prophet Micah said this in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. 700 years before it ever happened, God orchestrated every detail. His plan were in the right place that that prophecy would be fulfilled. And the Lord Jesus would be born. You see, beloved, God was carrying out His plan of redemption. This baby was born to die. It's important to remember the story does not end with the manger with the cradle. It progresses to the cross. You know, speaking of Christmas and speaking of gifts... This is the greatest gift. The Lord Jesus. Think about what Jesus did for us. He did not begin in Bethlehem. He's always been because He's God. And yet, before the world ever began, before man was ever created, the plan was in place that Jesus Christ would come robe himself in flesh, become a real baby, still God, perfect God, perfect man, together forever. You ever thought about this? He created Mary, and yet he voluntarily humbled himself and became a human and stayed in Mary's womb. For nine months. This is God. Then was birthed. And went through the whole process. You know we think about no, the little Lord Jesus. No crying he made. I don't believe that. He was a real baby. He cried. And so he went through the process of. Learning how to eat. Learning how to walk. Learning how. I don't want to be crude. Learning how to go to the restroom, take care of those needs, learning how to do all the things that we have to learn. I mean, he, was, he had to be cared for just as an infant. He had to grow just as we have to grow. And he continued to grow and learn. Now remember, he's always God. And he lives his life. And he never did anything wrong. That was the difference because he's God. And he gets to the point where he voluntarily steps out of the ministry. Then he gets to the point where he voluntarily gives his life, not because he had sinned, not because he had done wrong, but because that was the plan. He died in our place. 
And when he died, he was not dying for his sin. He was dying for my sin and your sin and shedding his blood for us. And then he was buried, fully dead. But then he rose again the third day victorious. And he's alive forevermore. And he conquered and defeated death, hell, and the grave. The Bible says if you will turn from your sin and place your faith in Christ alone, He will forgive you of your sin. He'll make you a child of God. He'll give you a home in heaven. He'll make you an heir and join heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. I've got to ask you, out of all the gifts that you've gotten maybe already and all the gifts you will get this Christmas season, have you gotten the greatest gift? The Lord Jesus Christ. If not, I beg you, friend, come to Christ. Place your faith in Christ alone. You know, the hard times can be holy times when we allow the Lord to do in us what He desires. We realize that He was guiding and orchestrating every detail of Mary and Joseph's life. And yet it still included hardship. And then we look at ourselves. We've got to remind ourselves that God, if you're a child of God, God is orchestrating every detail of your life. Your life is not left up to chance. Your life is being lived, child of God, listen, under the sovereign hand of God, who in His providence is orchestrating your life. In every detail. You say, well, I messed up. Yes. And he even makes allowance for that. Romans 8.28. He works together all things for good to those who love Him, to those who are called according to His purpose. So even when we mess up, He's already made allowance for that. Because Mary and Joseph were not perfect. We're not perfect. But God is so awesome and so great, He can even take our mess and make a masterpiece out of it. But the reality is, sometimes we come to... Our life, and we think this way, well, I'm a child of God, so nothing should go wrong. And life should be easy. And the truth of the matter is, beloved, when you become a child of God and you put your faith in Jesus Christ, actually more things can go wrong. Why? Because you're out of step with the world now. Because you're wanting to live your life for Jesus Christ. And sometimes, in those hard times, when you're right in the center of God's will, I mean, you haven't deviated. You're not on the left or the right. You're not, you're not left of the Lord. You're right in the center of God's will and you have hard times and problems and troubles. You say, I don't understand. I don't understand. And I look at Mary and Joseph and I have to think that they didn't always understand. But it doesn't change the fact that God is in charge of your life and He was doing what was best for them. And furthermore, when it comes to their life, he was doing what was best for us. You see, he had a grand plan. Grand plan. He was working it out for their good and his glory. And he's doing the same for us. Always remember, child of God, God is at work in your life for your good and his glory. And you've got to remember that he has a greater plan in mind than just that we have a comfortable, easy day. Now, we do have those from time to time. But see, He's working to mature us. He's working to grow us. He's working to make us like Jesus. 
And in order to do that, he has to take us through some hard times. He has to grow our faith. He has to help us to understand how much we have to depend upon him and lean upon him and trust him and rest in him and pray to him. And so I want to encourage you if you're in a hard time and you're in a hard place. You say, well, I'm not in one yet. Well, file this away because it's coming. Merry Christmas. It's coming. There are going to be hard times in our life. So file this away. In that hard place, in that hard time, turn your eyes upon Jesus. The song says, look full in His wonderful face. Focus upon Him. Remember what He endured for us. Remember what He went through for us. And remember that the Father is working to make us like Him. And don't get so busy that you miss the blessings that He has for you. You see, beloved, this Christmas season, we don't want to be like Martha. Hurried and buried under all the stress. We want to be like Mary. Sitting at Jesus' feet. Enjoying His presence. Believe me, beloved, you'll never regret time spent with Jesus. No one on their deathbed has ever said, you know what, I regret all the time I spent with Jesus. I regret all the time I spent praying and reading my Bible and worshiping. No, 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 no. You only got this life. This is it. This is it. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised the very next moment. We have this moment. And I want to encourage you to slow down, to look around, and be blessed. And I want to encourage you in the hard times to look up. Spend time with Jesus. Merry Christmas. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you that you're coming again. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Again, Father, if anybody here does not know for certain that Jesus is their Lord and Savior, may this be the moment they place their faith in Him. And then for those that are struggling with hard times, I pray, Lord, that You would help my brother or sister to look up, to look to You and know that You're in charge and You're working for their good and Your glory. And it's enough, even when we don't understand, to know that you do. And you have a purpose. And you have a plan. And you're working it out. So help us to trust you. And then, Lord, as we go throughout the next several days, may our focus be constantly drawn back to Jesus. Help us to enjoy our family and friends and gifts and fun and food and fellowship. And may we always be drawn back to Jesus. Bless this invitation, I pray. In His name. Amen. If you need to pray today, the altar is open. If you need to be saved today, we'd love to help you with that. We're going to sing closing.